We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ready, set, save California. It's sellathon time this Labor Day at your California Ford dealer. Get ready for the best offers of the summer on the 2019 Ford lineup, like an adventure-ready Explorer or the all-new built Ford Tough Ranger. Or get behind the wheel of the 2019 Ford F-150 with the power, toughness, and capability to carry any payload. You've waited all summer for these deals, and the wait is over. So ready, set, save. The Labor Day sellathon is on now, but don't wait. These deals won't last. Hurry into your California Ford dealer before it all ends September third. Hello everyone and welcome to the December 3rd, 2018 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week, brought to you by my bookie. I'm Blair Andrews, you can follow me on Twitter at AmItheRealBlair, and my co-host is Hassan Rahim, who you can follow at HRR5010. Hassan, how's it going? Uh, it's going fantastic, Blair. I uh, just got a few, you know, very important matchups for the playoffs. I'm on the bubble uh, here, and I'm sweating out these games uh, as we head down to the wire. How about yourself? Yeah, pretty good week overall. Looked uh, looked a little bit in doubt early on, but Travis Kelsey saved me in a couple leagues, so definitely thankful for that. Um, and I'm really excited to be discussing all this news with our guest today. Joining us on the show is Joseph Redderman. Joe is a consultant for Draft Day Consultants and an analyst for Dynasty League Football and OffCoverage.com. You can follow him on Twitter at JRNFL. Joe, thanks for joining us. How's it going? It's good. Uh, despite my beloved Packers uh, you know, losing today, which I'm sure we're going to talk about later, um, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually very happy uh, it, overall. You know, I actually... All of my dynasty teams are losing today. Uh, my Packers <laughs> lost today, but it's still a positive day. It's it's still fine because you know Mike McCarthy's gone, and that's what's important. There you that's go. the real Got reason it. for the season. Yeah, baby. <laughs> 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 Good Gotta John, find that silver lining. 
All right, let's get into the news. First item, Tariq Cohen rushed eight times for 30 yards and caught 12 of 14 targets for 156 yards in the Bears' 30-27 to Week 13 overtime loss to the Giants, uh, adding a one-yard touchdown pass. So, Joe, Tariq Cohen has enjoyed a breakout season in his second year, much to the chagrin of Jordan Howard owners. And, well, what are your expect- expectations for Cohen over the course of the season, and where would you be looking to draft him next year? I, man, I, I am so loving and, and also confused by Tariq Cohen. It's it's absolutely great because, I mean, we were talking a little bit off air, but Jordan Howard was like one of those guys that everyone thought was a locked in RB2 this year for, for redraft league specifically. And, and now, you know, Tariq Cohen has just come in again and just smashed that all apart. And uh, I, I don't... I, I don't know exactly how to value, I guess, what Tariq Cohen does because we're seeing the landscape of running back in the NFL change so quickly that we're having to we're having to really, really adjust from, you know, there are very few three down true superstar backs to like there are no three down running backs anymore. And like Tariq Cohen, I don't I mean, he's super fun. He's super fun to watch, and he is probably, uh, you know, a solid top 25, maybe back into the top 20 dynasty running back. Um, but, you know, you just he's he's a little bit unpredictable on a week-to-week basis because they also have a solid, you know, enough other guy in Jordan Howard. So I I don't know. I, I feel like that this is like the microcosm of – you know, do you want the guy who's a primary runner? Or do you want the guy who's a primary receiver in today's NFL? Yeah, that's kind of a good point. But also, uh, you, I think I'm on the perspective of the guy who wants a receiver. You know what I mean? Like that, like I, like uh, a guy like Cohen is never going to be the person that gets all the uh, work when the team is ahead by a touchdown or sort of, you know, has a plays with a lead. And even in this game, like the team clearly tried to run Jordan Howard as the guy. You know, they were just they were just funneling Jordan Howard out there, hoping to sort of, you know, run time off the clock. They were hoping to control the ball, control the pace. And then when the Giants actually started, you know, counter punching and putting up points, did they actually finally turn to Cohen? His 14 targets today were actually five more than Allen Robinson. And he led the team in them. He is just this brutal, brutally good guy when you, you know, creating yak and his skill set. He's just so fast. You get him into space against linebackers or against safeties. Uh, man, you might as well not have anyone truly on him. And I think really, really, the, like I wrote a little bit about this in the um, uh, Week 13 NFC Zero RB report, but I, yeah, I'm going to reiterate it here, is that really when you're looking to figure out when should you be playing Tariq Cohen, you should be looking at the op- opposing offense if only because you're looking at if a team is able to put up points on the Bears – for as good as their defense is, they can be scored on. And the second the game turns into a shootout, Matt Nagy is very comfortable putting uh, guys like Cohen, Gabriel, getting him into space, trying to use mm-hmm. utilize that to continue that like high leverage. You know, so you get this high leverage usage, particularly high leverage receiving usage, which a guy like as we talked about, Cohen can actually flourish on. And next week they get the Rams, so that's a pretty like. It's a matchup that Howard can win because uh, the Rams give seed a lot to traditional running backs. But at the same time, I expect them to really burn this Bears' defense to the ground. 
So I expect <laughs> that to be a lot of uh, get going work. What do you think, Blair? Yeah, I think that's probably right. Yeah, we've seen Howard kind of be the guy in games like against Buffalo. That was a predictable Howard game. I don't know if I would have thought that the Giants would put up 30 against the Bears, but, uh, you know, NFL, what can you do? Um, yeah, <laughs> it, is, Cohen... it is worth noting, too. Sorry, I, I just want to jump in. I just did a little math on over the last month and a half, Cohen and, and Howard are almost exactly splitting snaps. Howard's averaging 35 snaps a game, and Cohen is averaging 34. And so, I mean, the other thing, though, is Cohen is... Uh, he's he's averaging seven yards a touch as opposed to Howard's 3.6. So you're getting that much more explosion per touch, per snap, per every time that he's on the field. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, yeah, I definitely think that Cohen's touches are a lot more valuable. And I mean, it makes sense. He's getting most of the receiving touches, most of the targets and receptions. So uh, in a way, that's not surprising, but it just... Um, yeah, it's kind of painful to watch them give the ball to Howard in a few of these games, like uh, you know, in Buffalo, for instance, or Minnesota when you're a Cohen owner, especially. Um, you know, one thing he led the team in targets this week. He also led in targets last week, or was tied for the team lead in targets. Uh, is this something we can maybe expect to keep going forward as long as Trubisky is out, at least? I certainly think so. I mean, Chase Daniel is not a guy that you're going to expect to push the ball down the field. And that's where some of the bigger receiving assets like Allen Robinson are going to function. I mean, Taylor Gabriel can work short and create yards after catch as well. Um, Robinson is a guy that you want to be, you know, going vertical. And if not, you know, running vertical necessarily, like going vertical in the air for, for those high point catches. Um so, I, I mean, I see Cohen continuing to do that as long as Trubisky's out. I think Anthony Miller has a chance to do the same thing if he's if they continue using him as a, as a short area receiver. Um, you know, that those are the guys that I'd be looking at more than the Allen Robinsons. Now, um, yeah, we asked kind of about uh, where we would draft him next year. Do you think you would have him ranked above Jordan Howard going into the next season? Yeah, I think absolutely. I, I again, I think the because of where the landscape of running back is in general, you can't um, you can't really count on there being true stars. You know, other than your Gurley's, Barkley, Kamara, Elliott, and like then M- McCaffrey now has sort of leapt into that tier two. There's five running backs. That's it. And now you have all these other people that have to either share roles or you have um, injury concerns or you have whatever. Uh, you know, you want to maximize what you're getting per opportunity. And Cohen is is highly explosive. You know, even if he's a smaller guy, um, he, he's one of those guys. Sorry. Even if even though he's a bit of a smaller guy and, and you worry about durability as a as a heavy touch kind of player, he's not getting all the touches, first of all. And running back is such a short lived position in Dynasty anyways that you're not expecting him to be a ten year superstar. You're hoping he helps you in this current, you know, winning window. 
Aaron Rodgers completed 31 of 50 passes for 233 yards and a touchdown in the Packers' Week 13 loss to Arizona. Joe, the Packers were favored by as much as 14 points by Vegas in this game. This was ostensibly one of the Packers' worst performance of the season, and as a result, Mike McCarthy has been fired. How are you approaching the Packers' <laughs> offense going forward, and uh, should fantasy players have faith in Aaron Rodgers as a QB? Um, yeah, I think I think there's still reason to be... Uh, to have that trust in Aaron Rodgers, he's he's been just outside the top 10 quarterbacks all year anyways. And, you know, by putting Joe Philbin in as the interim head coach and, and giving him back play calling duties, I think we stop seeing some of the really ugly tendencies of the Packers uh, offensive coaching under Mike McCarthy, which were, you know, using uh, arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the game right now to throw uh, you know, screen passes and dump offs and like just the, this maddeningly uh, inefficient, tricky short game. Um, I, I think there's there's a, a chance that we see a little bit of pickup, especially because, you know, the Packers by losing today kind of played themselves out of the playoffs. And so there's not really any sort of impetus to win necessarily as much as there is to develop players. And with that young wide receiving core, that's something that I think they're going to really look to do is, is find out what's everything that they can do. They'll start getting a little more creative, hopefully, and really start stretching out, you know, Marquez Valdez Scantling and, uh, you know, um, Equinamius St. Brown and all of those guys and really just start seeing what they can, you know, cobble together and what they have for next season. Um, yeah, Mike, Mike McCarthy just really loved that. That's the one big thing that I, I couldn't stand about it. And, and I have a, a group chat with a couple of my friends from Wisconsin from back home where, uh, Every time there's a a like a third and long play, and Mike McCarthy, uh, you know, calls a a screen pass, it's just well, there's another one. That's it. That's all we say is another one, and we all know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think I agree wholeheartedly with that. I mean, if anything, Aaron Rodgers is kind of playing, um, you know, not up to his standards necessarily but fairly well almost despite McCarthy and he kind of has been doing that I think for a long time um you know I'm not like a film guy but uh people I trust say and I mean you just said they just run a very kind of uncreative (laughs) offense and uh Mm -hmm. if Rodgers is gonna succeed it's because of stuff he does (laughs) on his own you know ways of changing the play before the snap I guess um yeah uh really weird game see them lose to Arizona they did work in Jamal Williams a little bit I was hoping for a big game from Aaron Jones do you think this is a sign of things to come or uh you know what's the deal with the running backs you know I I can't for the life of me make that out and I'm really hoping that that's a McCarthy thing that they start going away from too because it's become clear and I I had been a, a Ty Montgomery truther until he got traded um, but it's, it's very clear that Aaron Jones is the, we're, we're talking about most efficient in the backfield. Aaron Jones is the most efficient running back in that backfield. He's going to give them the most explosion per time that he's out on the field, you know? And I, I think I was listening to, um, JJ Zacharyson and Denny Carter on the living the stream podcast. And they were talking about, you know, ever a lot of people like relying on, 
Uh, oh, Jamal Williams is a great pass blocker. Okay, well, that doesn't really help you in a league where you want to be passing on third down. Great. Like, you're not, you don't want to have to leave your running back in on pass protection. Then you've got bigger problems. So Jamal Williams basically splitting snaps with Aaron Jones today is super ugly, and I really hope that that was the last dying gasp of McCarthy's backwards offensive tendencies. Yeah, just whatever stops this offense from, like, uh, really sapping away. Like, really, the like, Mike McCarthy has been kryptonite to Aaron Rodgers' Superman, and it's been really frustrating watching that this entire season. It just, ugh. Hopefully, uh, this offense manages to somehow get back on track and they're uh, actually going to spend a little bit of draft capital or look to actually bring in a couple of uh, other big name or uh, big name free agents. Uh, you know, this receiving core is just not getting it done, unfortunately. Outside of Adams, you've got a couple of rookies and little else. Yeah, and, and they just, the rookies are just not up to speed with the kind of Sandlot football that Rodgers likes to play. I mean, this is this is something that's definitely not super quantifiable it's it's definitely more of a tape thing but you know Rodgers is at his best when the play breaks down and that's not you you watch these you know you know watch Valdez Scantling and St. Brown and they run through their routes and then they kind of stop and don't exactly know what to do next and that's gonna take a lot of reps and hopefully it's stuff like that that they start working through at the end of this lost season because it is that you know, if Rodgers is put in a box, that is not where his his tendencies allow him to function best. And having those receivers not know what to do puts him in a box as well. So hopefully that's that's a process they start going through. I did also want to just throw in here, uh, speaking of that that beautiful spread, that 14-point spread that we were favored by, um, there, there have been 246 games where a team was favored uh since since the nfl merger where a team was favored by 14 points or more that the nfl merger was 1970 so almost 50 years ago now uh only 11 percent of those teams favored by two scores or more lost wow that's 20 27 teams and that includes my beloved green bay packers proud to enter such rare company <laughs> Certainly a historic performance. <laughs> yeah, <No kidding>. right. <laughs> All right, before we get into no shit, shit, no, here's a quick reminder that you can support the Road of His Radio Network and our 10 shows per week on Patreon. By doing so, you'll gain exclusive access to Road of His Live, our weekly Sunday morning video show answering all your fantasy questions. Patronships start at just $6 a month and provide exclusive access to Road of His Live. That's four shows per month on top of 40 podcasts for just $6. Become a Rotoviz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content, and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high-quality industry-leading programming. Speaking of exclusives, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get 30% off a Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. It's available through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Gain unlimited access to all of our NFL content and our tools. You get amazing value. Support the podcast network. Once again, that's rotoviz.com slash podcast. 
Ready, set, save, California. It's sellathon time this Labor Day at your California Ford dealer. Get ready for the best offers of the summer on the 2019 Ford lineup, like an adventure ready Explorer or the all new built Ford Tough Ranger. Or get behind the wheel of the 2019 Ford F 150 with the power, toughness, and capability to carry any payload. You've waited all summer for these deals, and the wait is over. So, ready, set, save. The Labor Day sellathon is on now, but don't wait. These deals won't last. Hurry into your California Ford dealer before it all ends September. Third. All right, now let's get into no shit shit. No. First item, Jarvis Landry <laughs> caught six of nine targets for 103 yards in Sunday's week 13 loss to the Texans. So I've got to go uh, shit no here. That's, by the way, I have to say I love the naming of this section. This is one of my favorite things I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> but uh, I have to say a resounding shit no. Um, Jarvis Landry has just not been the focal point of the offense the way this season, the way that he has been for the Dolphins in previous years. He is really far off of his uh, typical, you know, 90 to 120 reception uh, pace. And I am not really buying that Baker Mayfield is going to be just pummeling him with targets left and right. Yeah, now this actually is the highest target count I think we've seen for Landry since Freddie Kitchens took over play calling. So I guess I'm wondering if this is maybe a good sign or is this the aberration? For me personally, I think, I mean, what we saw function well for the Browns, like I I think about that Falcons game where they ran a lot of full house, uh, you know, pistol shotgun sets where they were just loaded up with you know, two, three running backs, a heavy uh, offensive line with two tight ends. And they were just doing all sorts of crazy, you know, triple option play action stuff. And there really wasn't room on the field for, you know, a receiver on a lot of those plays or, you know, they weren't designed towards the receivers. And maybe they'll, maybe they're using some of that stuff just to, um, sort of mask some of the more traditional things. But I really do think that what Freddie Kitchens is doing well for Baker is designing an offense that Baker is comfortable in because it sort of is starting to look a lot more like what Baker had in college. Chase Edmonds rushed five times for 53 yards and two touchdowns and caught two of two targets for 13 yards in the Cardinals' week 13 upset of Green Bay. I got to go shit now here as well. I'm so, I feel so negative now. I don't like that. <laughs> but I got to go shit now because he rushed five freaking times and David Johnson still had 20 rushing attempts. This is this is that classic like oh, I shouldn't say this because this might undermine my own point. But this is like Nick Chubb earlier this season where he, you know, rushed twice and picked up 800 yards and seven touchdowns on those two rushing attempts. And I until David Johnson goes the way of Carlos Hyde, I'm not expecting Chase Edmonds to do it. That said, I, I'm going to throw a little weird caveat in here and say this is no shit for Dynasty. Chase Edmonds is a fantastic Dynasty stash that you need to hang on to because this is the kind of stuff that he can do if he is given opportunities. Shit, that David Johnson-Carlos Hyde comp really hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Devin Coleman, yeah, right. Devin Coleman rushed six times for eight yards in the Falcons' Week 13 loss to the Ravens, adding a three-yard reception. 
don't want to keep being negative, guys. I don't want to have to do this. Tevin Coleman is this is a no shit. Tevin Coleman's really explosive to watch, but this is the kind of thing that I worry about sometimes with these guys that rely solely on on speed. Um, when there's a shift of roles, the way that the Falcons have moved Coleman, he moved from that one B role into the one A, and for whatever reason, they are not. They've decided not to use him as much of a, a pass catching back anymore. Ido Smith is now the guy who's doing most of the receiving in the backfield. And for the life of me, I can't figure out why they aren't, you know, doing using him multiple ways, which is what he does best. Um, but when you have a speed based, you know, home run hitter running back like this, and Tevin Coleman has had a really low success rate too. He is a classic home run hitter. He'll swing and miss and then he'll bust one off. Uh, if they're misfit into a, into a bad role, which is what the Falcons are doing, then they're going to get stuffed up. And I, I do worry that Tevin Coleman is going to go to free agency in this off season and then find a team next year that wants him to be a, a classic run up the middle bell cow. And that's just not what he does best. Yeah. I mean, kind of, it's been a little bit disappointing watching Tevin Coleman, like struggle truly in a featured role. And, um, <clears throat> it really kind of rebrings uh, home, uh, all the, uh, really bad narrative from the off season where people were like, well, either Tevin Coleman or Duke Johnson are going to be the next Jack McKinnon. And it's like, <laughs> wow, check us out. We're all bad. Um, <laughs> 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 right. uh, Kenny Galladay uh, managed three catches for 50 yards on seven targets uh, in the Lions' Week 13 loss to the Rams. I'm going to go no shit on this for a lot of reasons, for a couple of them. Uh, one is that seven targets is a sizable amount for that young man, and he's you know starting to actually take over a, a solid role for the Lions. Um, but that said, uh, I guess that was only second on the team. Um but that said, he was not efficient with it at all. He, you know, I, I don't know, I have the numbers in front of me right now on how many of those were catchable targets. But knowing Matt Stafford, there it could have been, you know, not many of them. Um, but it, I, I think he could be one of the bigger receivers, you know, bigger volume receivers in, in the league going forward. But I also just don't see him as a guy who's going to be highly efficient or, you know, is going to add a, a ton of either yardage or scoring at the same time. I'm not sure that he's ever going to pull it all together. So to me, this is a is this too much of a fence sitting no shit? I don't I don't know. <laughs> is uh is Bruce Ellington a real thing? Or should we not pay attention to him? Uh, Were we paying attention to Brandon Powell before? Because <laughs> he's he's not doing what we thought he would. Or yeah. TJ Jones, yeah. I, yep. I think uh, I think there's a lot going on here. Uh, from from I mean, Kenny Galladay is clearly, clearly the guy that you want uh, in this offense. But don't forget about Marvin Jones, who's an IR. There's a lot of uh, you know volume, just sheer volume of being funneled uh, Galladay's way. And uh, you know, seven or whatever targets may not look like a lot, but but keep in mind, this is an offense that's very slow paced, so there's not a lot of opportunity. They're also missing uh, Carrion Johnson, who steals a little bit of work in the receiving receiving game. But realistically, 
Matt Patricia has done a very good job. If there's one thing that Matt Patricia has done successfully as the new head coach of the of the Detroit Lions, it's breaking this passing offense. <laughs> it's 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 uh it's it's absolutely unwatchable, and uh, it's actually does it just doesn't work very well. And I mean, Levine Toilolo led the league in, in 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 receiving yards today, uh, which should tell you exactly how well this offense is working from a receiving perspective. Um, so you've got, you know, and then they just want to run the ball. So really, you're looking at, uh, I mean, Matt Stafford, uh, you know, where he was once considered to be a safe floor kind of option, is now uh, more like Blake Portals circa 2018. And and you just you know you're dealing with this, and I, I think like Galladay is still the guy who you want in this offense. The, my bigger worry is uh, as we turn into the off season, he might just be overdrafted when best balls and dynasty startups actually begin drafting. It depends on what his cost will be, but I'd be very wary about um, where people are willing to take this uh, you know exponential jump that Galladay has taken, and then just sort of run with the hype that him becoming the guy is he's still very very good in my opinion probably the top 15 or top 18 dynasty wideout but um i think we're gonna see more like stuff like this happening i mean blair you and i discussed kenny galladay sort of being a trap player this week didn't we for dfs we did i mean you know the rams also play at a fairly well that's not true they play they limit opponent plays because they have such uh efficient drives so it's maybe not a surprise that he only got seven targets and that uh, he couldn't do a lot with him in this game, which uh, looked like it was going to be lower scoring than uh, the lines indicated, possibly. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with no shit. <laughs> I, I wonder, so I actually don't think Galladay is in the top 15 for dynasty receivers, and I actually might have him outside my top 20 now that I look at this, but he comes in at DLF's ADP at 13 for November. Uh, my God. Dudes, dudes that I would take behind, who are currently uh, ADP behind him, Brandon Cooks, I would take Amari Cooper over him, I would take Robert Woods over him, I would take Cooper Cup over him, uh, might take DJ Moore over him. That's at least five. So he's at yeah. least in the back end of my top 20. But Yeah, and there's like still, when you start parsing through it, you'll figure the rest of it out, like yeah. whether where he's going to shake out. No, this is what it, this is what it meant. Like it just felt, it just feels your, like the hype. Yeah, yeah, to your point, it's the it's the volume in that offense, too. It's just not there anymore. Zay Jones hauled in four of nine targets for 67 yards and two touchdowns in the Bills' Week 13 <laughs> loss to the Dolphins. This is, this is no shit because I don't know what to do with the Bills. This is this is like I I'm actually I'll say I'm really happy that Zay Jones is uh starting to figure himself out because it was really and by starting to figure himself out I mean like he's closer to a 50% catch right now. He was it was so sad to watch last year that he was one of the I think he had a worse rookie season than Greg Little did in terms of, you know, converting catches. I, that was that was rough. He was at least in that, you know, same bucket as Greg Little, and no one wants that. Um, I do like to see, you know, that there is some progression for this Bills offense, that that Josh Allen, who I'm not high on, I was not high on the pre-draft process, I still don't, I'm not sure if he can hit the broadside of a barn with his, with his throws. He's hitting Zay Jones somewhat, and something is happening. Like, maybe these two can grow 
into better roles together. So I, I'm going to go no shit here and say that I think this is uh, uh, the beginning of real growth for this Bills offense. TJ Yeldon rushed eight times for 16 yards and caught seven of eight targets for 49 yards in the Jaguars' Week 13 win over the Colts. This is 100% no shit. This is exactly what TJ Yeldon is. He's he's the guy that should be the complimentary back to Leonard Fournette, should be doing the receiving. You know, seven of eight targets is, is exactly right on for him. But you do not want to have to run the ball with him. I mean, you know, let's let's be honest. I came from number fire originally. You don't want to be running the ball in this league, period. But eight, you know, two point oh yards per carry is especially not what you want. Chris Godwin caught five of six targets for 101 yards and a touchdown in week 13 against the Panthers. Oh, man, I have so many shares of Mike Evans that I don't want this to be a shit, uh, a no shit. But I think this is a no shit. This is. I, I've been way down on like the hype train for Godwin. I've been kind of like uh, the wet blanket on, on a lot of people's parades with this because Godwin does not have, you know, this like incredible draft pedigree profile. And, and you know, I, I think he was perfectly athletic enough and all that. But yeah, he was a, a third round pick uh, last year. And I just... I just didn't see it as much as everybody else, but I think this is going to be the beginning of of more uh, kind of what the Buccaneers wanted to make in that sort of Vincent Jet was it Vincent Jackson and Mike Evans? I can't remember if that was my before Mike Evans' time, but the sort of two tall, you know, massive receivers on the outside. I think this is what they want to do. I don't. It, I, is is Godwin a thing? I, I think so. I hope so. I own so much of him. Uh, <laughs> definitely more than more than Evans. So <clears throat> I'm ready for Evans to, uh, I don't know, go somewhere else. <laughs> I'm ready for them to get a quarterback. That's what I want. <laughs> there you go. Tyler Boyd soaked up six of eight targets for 97 yards in the Bengals' week 13 loss to the Broncos. Oh, this is definitely a no shit. It's just surprising that he was able to do that without A.J. Green there for most of the day like aj green got injured again in this one he he re-aggravated um his toe injury and i think it was gene brammel on twitter somebody said uh that he might have torn his planter plate which is like uh, i'm not gonna get the medical parts of this right but it's a really important part of your foot that holds stuff together and it's hard to walk and or run without that being intact um so that that aside, that said, Boyd hasn't really shown that he's been able to be super efficient when he is the number one guy this year or I guess last year. Um, and so this is kind of nice that he's still been able to put up like the efficient wide receiver two type stat lines that he was early in the year, even with A.J. Green out today. All he needed was Jeff Driscoll to come in at quarterback. yeah right oh my gosh hey fun stupid fun stupid uh uh fact uh statistical anomaly today i so the two quarterbacks that are out in the waiver wire in my main dynasty league this week that were picked up were jeff driscoll and cody kessler uh jeff driscoll obviously is like a big cannon armed gunslinger type of guy you know that's what people the reputation is and cody kessler is obviously not uh 
both of them have 10.4 prior to this game, I guess, 10.4 yards per completion on their pass attempts. That blew me away. I, I don't know what to make of it, but even when you take it out to two decimals, they're both like 10.39. It's like dead even, and I don't know what to do with that knowledge. <laughs> I just needed to share it with somebody else who'd appreciate the nerdiness of it. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know actually a lot about uh, Driscoll, except that he keeps like scoring touchdowns that I think should be passed to Tyler Boyd, but <laughs> Kessler I thought wasn't that bad when he was in Cleveland. I mean, I know he never won a game, but uh, I thought he was... At least, uh, he, well, yeah, he was not awful, which is more than can be said for a lot of the quarterbacks <laughs> they've trotted out. Not awful is just really the bumper sticker that any Cleveland quarterback wants to be able to have. <laughs> Julio Jones caught two of eight targets for 18 yards in the Falcons' Week 13 home loss to the Ravens. Uh, this is definitely a shit no. I Julio is much better than this. I don't. I don't even need to. I, I think we all know that he's better than that. I don't know. Uh, this was this must have just been really great coverage by Jimmy Smith. I missed most of this game, but I, I'm pretty sure he was shadowed a fair amount by Jimmy Smith, the cornerback for the Ravens. You, you Blair, you're a, a Ravens fan, so you might be able to tell me more about this. But that's usually they employ Jimmy Smith in shadow coverage, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, it was a bad game all around for the for the Falcons' passing offense. I mean, the one thing that I can have a little insight into is that I do know they were taping up Jones's hand at one point in the uh, early in the second quarter I want to say doesn't seem like it's reported anywhere so I don't even know what what might have happened but uh it's possible he was dealing with something kind of minor in his hand I'm not sure it's gonna impact him catching touchdowns that's for sure <laughs> yeah yeah so what's wrong with his legs he doesn't not go under 100 <laughs> yards come on <laughs> Odell Beckham caught three of nine targets for 35 yards uh, and a touchdown in the Giants' 30-27 Week 30, 13 win overtime over the Bears. He also threw a 49-yard touchdown pass. I love that uh, two people in who are not quarterbacks in this Bears-Giants game threw touchdown passes. That is absolutely my favorite thing. I love non, uh, non, non-quarterbacks throwing touchdown passes is great. Dontari Poe's moment was one of my favorite things ever. Um, this is, this is a no shit. Yeah, no shit. This is a no shit. Uh, at least until Eli Manning is not the quarterback for this team. And it's really sad. I mean, we were talking a little bit off air, uh, Hassan about how it's, it's awful to watch the Packers squander away the prime years of Aaron Rodgers. I feel like the same thing is happening for the Giants and Odell Beckham. And it's because they've saddled him to freaking Eli Manning and just just do do something like try something else. And maybe having Odell as the quarterback is the better option. <laughs> Can he throw to himself? Is that going to work? What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> can't can't be worse is, than Eli face. This is his second touchdown pass of the year, right? So yeah, as many yeah, as yeah. Eli. yeah. Um, <laughs> I do love when non-quarterbacks uh, throw touchdowns because it's like uh, unlike the sadness in like in baseball where it's like a positional player's like pitching. Uh, this is uh, actually exciting because offense is being generated. <laughs> yeah, this is like this is like a pitcher hitting a home run. This right. is exactly, and yeah. that's exciting. That's a yeah. blast. Yeah, except yeah. for the other pitcher. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I bet the Bears defense sat there and went, "What the heck just happened?" 
there was a, I think there was a sad resignation when this all happened. <laughs> Mar- uh, what was it, Khalil Mack? Who? He writes. <laughs> Lamar Miller rushed 19 times for 103 yards while catching one pass for 12 yards in Sunday's Week 13 win over the Browns. Ah, God, I don't. Can this be shit? I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, I think this is. I think this one is uh, more no shit than it is shit. No, Lamar. Miller has always had talent. He's always been able to be a playmaker. It the question has been, will he get the volume from the team and the offense? And he doesn't have really any competition for the role right now. The the Texans have only been employing Alfred Blue as a, a change of pace back behind Lamar Miller. Um, so that's not a concern. As far as I know, Dante Foreman is not going to come back this year, at least in much of a meaningful extent um and achilles injuries are one of the absolute worst injuries for a running back especially but any speed based sort of skill position player to come back from so i i don't think Foreman is going to be a huge threat to him especially in this first year back from that injury um and then the other thing that lamar miller needs is to stay healthy and so far he has this year so as you know, Deshaun Watson being a, a dual threat quarterback, you know, kind of opens up some running lanes for Lamar Miller, too. I, yeah, this could be what we see for the rest of the year as, as long as the Texans keep rolling. Yeah, this was actually the first game in the last seven weeks, I think, that Deshaun Watson has attempted more than 25 passes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, is this a team that really just doesn't want to throw the ball, I guess? That seems right. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that seems exactly right. They're only attempting 25 passes. Um, You know, with a guy like Hopkins as uh, your wide receiver and Watson throwing him the ball, that's definitely frustrating and kind of hard to to watch. But uh, yeah, I mean, 31 passes today. Is this a sign that they're going to become more pass happy? I mean, they were winning for, you know, most of this game, almost all of it, I think. So... um, is this any kind of shift or just sort of a, you know, next week should we see them go back to low volume again? I I kind of think it's, you know, their identity is pretty stuck at where it is, honestly. I mean, I, I do expect that they're still going to stay low passing volume. Um, you know, 30-some 30, 30 passing attempts is still not even that high in today's NFL, like, I, I think Rogers threw 50 times today. You know, it's just, it's a, you know, the, you, you, you don't, I don't think at this point either want Deshaun throwing a ton like that. You know, he's still getting back up to speed from an injury. He's still, you know, we forget he's still only a sophomore in the league, right? You know, he's, he's still developing some of those things. And, and I think that, um, I think they could use this the run game and his ability to help, you know, open some of that stuff up as a bit of a crutch as they, you know, as they do that. They're they're a team that likes to ground and pound and and rely on defense. I I think that's where their identity sticks. Kaimi Fairbairn made all five of his field goal attempts and converted both of his extra points in Houston's Week 13 win over the Browns. Uh, I think this is more shit no than anything else, but that's because kickers you know, go as their offenses go and as the matchups go. But I'm really glad that we put this in here because I love ridiculous kicker uh, performances like this. Fairbairn scored 
21 fantasy points in in ESPN standard leagues today and I know I know that somebody is going to be screaming at their commissioner to ban kickers for next year because they lost out on the playoffs because of Fairburn. Somebody got beat by Fairburn today and I'm very happy about it. <laughs> I'm facing him in one high stakes league I'm in and uh luckily the guy also had Brita and Eckler who are doing almost nothing and <laughs> Julio Jones did nothing, Michael Thomas Galladay so I think I'm safe. Fairbairn didn't do quite enough to beat me, but it's frustrating to see, you know, 24 points from the opposing kicker. Marlon Mack rushed eight times for 27 yards and caught his lone target for six yards in the Colts' Week 13 loss to the Jaguars. I think this is no shit. Um, I am not a huge believer in the Marlon Mack train. Um, The Colts, until they find somebody that they're more comfortable with, being the guy and I say that you know having said that there's not really many of those in the league anymore but cough cough levy on bell cough cough is looking for a new team cough cough um I you know I don't Marlon Mack I do kind of feel like is a little more just a guy than he is anything else um they like Naheem Hines fine as an option to contribute uh you know, I can't even remember the other guy that's on the team too at the moment. I should look that up so I don't sound like an idiot. Um, Jordan Wilkins, thank you. Yes, and Jordan Wilkins did fine when when Mac was injured. So I think until there's a guy whose talent does rise above, you know, sort of where all these guys are, um, they're they're going to be happy enough to employ a committee. And even then, they still might employ a committee because Frank Reich kind of has done that so far in the league you know he he has been a guy who rolls out multiple running back looks and takes advantage of you know matchup mismatches what was actually interesting to me in this one was uh the Colts were you know soundly thrashed six to nothing but when they were trailing and really in dire straits it was Naheem Hines uh mm-hmm. you know we, we we talked about it a little bit with Tariq Cohen and it comes back to Naheem Hines these are your dynamic playmakers, and it's kind of, you know, maybe maybe Marlon Mack, uh, maybe he's still kind of hurt or something. It's just kind of odd uh, that he's just sort of not used as a true bell cow. So, like you said, maybe they just don't see him as such, and we're seeing that just play itself out. It's shocking to me that Mack is within the top 30 uh, ADP for dynasty running backs uh, as of November. I I would have him a lot lower than that. Lee. Yeah, well, that was uh, before today, I guess, when he had, <laughs> he looked like hey, you know several weeks in a row he looked like he was the guy. But people love people just love that, like they just love reaction to that. That's a very reactionary rank, don't you think? Yeah, that's true. That's that is very true. Yep. Doug Early rumbled to 132 yards and two touchdowns and 23 carries, and he added three catches for 33 yards and five targets Sunday in the Rams' Week 13 victory over the Lions. Uh, this is no shit. I, I, I am never going to be a fan of drafting a running back high in the first round of the NFL draft, but uh, Todd Gurley was drafted high in the first round of the NFL draft for a reason, and man he is just going to be smashing face uh you know whenever the when the rams get out to a lead then they don't need to you know they don't need to mess with having goff throw a bunch of times even though this is a team that can do that and i and i think that's 
kind of incredible how they can toggle from a uh, you know massive ground and pound team to the next coming of Air Coriel. Like they, this is a, a versatile and amazing offense, and it's a sh- you know we saw though that Todd Gurley. Last week in the, you know, in the historic Chiefs Rams game, he was basically phased out of the offense and, you know, he can catch. He added three catches today, but he's just not the guy that is the main target when you're trying to put up 50 points on the Chiefs. Now, this is actually the third game in a row for Gurley that he's had only three catches after having like six catches, four four or five, you know, in this leading up to this stretch. So it does it worry you at all that uh, he maybe doesn't have the receiving workload he used to have, or is this just a blip? I think it's mostly just a blip. I think when they're, you know, it kind of can be when they're trying to get big up on an opponent, they're not, you're not going to throw short and Sean McVay knows that he's one of the smarter head coaches in the league, one of the more creative head coaches in the league. And I, I think he's a guy who looks at, a lot of the analytical stuff, you know, and, and stuff that I've, you know, uh, worked on or read when I was still at numberfire.com. Um, you know, we, we talk all the time about how much more efficient throwing is than rushing, how uh, passing is than rushing and how much more efficient it is throwing downfield rather than, you know, a dump off to the running back in the backfield. And so, you know, Gurley is a fine receiver for a running back, but if you need to, outrace Patrick Mahomes, who still is, you know, putting up massive points even while throwing two or three interceptions in a game, you need to be throwing downfield to Brandon Cooks and Josh Reynolds. And getting those three to five yard dump offs is just not going to do the job. Philip Lindsay rushed nineteen times for 157 yards and two touchdowns in the Broncos week thirteen win over the Bengals. I okay, we did talk about this one a little bit off air too, and I wanna say shit no. Because I still am like in shock. I can't say no shit because I'm still in shock that Philip Lindsay has done what he's done this year. Like from a dynasty perspective, I just don't know what I make of of the Broncos backfield going into 2019 because I, you know, every part of my brain, you know, from dynasty valuation is going, ah, undrafted free agent pedigree. He's not nearly going to have the kind of value that Royce Freeman will have someday soon. But man, it's hard to argue with the results. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. You know, Freeman still had 12 carries in this game. Um, And it's not like they were using Lindsay a ton in the past game. He only had one target. So I mean, yeah, they still want to, I guess, have Freeman be involved in the game. But when you look at, you know, 157 yards for Lindsey, 48 for Freeman, it just makes so much sense why they keep giving him the ball. Well, and another thing, too, that I, I know I've heard bandied about a lot for Royce Freeman is that he uh, he lines up against the most eight-man boxes in the you know, among running backs this year that, you know, percentage-wise teams just load the box once they see Royce Freeman in there. And I think that's, I, I, I honestly, I didn't know, know if he had any sort of receiving deficiency in college at Oregon, but maybe that's the thing that going forward, he'll, he and the Broncos will identify and they'll be able to work on this off season so that he can be, you know, less of a, uh, a telltale when they're, when they put him in there. Yeah. I mean, he caught, 79 passes in four years at Oregon. 
um, 26 one in his sophomore season. So he's definitely shown that ability. I think that probably speaks to sort of the uh, the Broncos' lack of creativity and how they're using their running backs. I mean, no running back today even had more than two targets. So yeah, yeah, I think uh, that's a really interesting stat, and I think it makes a lot of sense with how we've seen Freeman be deployed. I think he's probably a better receiver than than uh, a lot of people think, and maybe even better than the Broncos think. <laughs> <laughs> Gus Edwards rushed uh, 21 times for 82 yards in the Ravens' Week 13 win over the Falcons. Uh, I'm going to go no shit here. Um, Gus Edwards, I think, is going to continue to get solid volume for the rest of the season now that Alice Collins was put on IR. Uh, unfortunately, no more river dancing over defenses for 2018 for him. Um, but I also think another reason that this is no shit for me is that there's, to me, there's no way that that incredible efficiency he had in his, his first outing or two as the starter or as the, you know, main guy. Um, I don't, I don't think that can continue. I think, you know, four or slightly under yards per carry is probably about where Gus settles in going forward. And and that's fine. That's a, a solid, a uh, fantasy play for most teams as a solid flex play. And if you have that and you have, you know, um, Lamar Jackson being that, you know, dual threat quarterback again under center, which we've seen multiple times in the past opens up running lanes for running backs. Um, you know, Gus is going to have a little bit of upside. He's got a fine floor of volume, I think. And there's a chance that there's some scoring potential for him too. So you mentioned a little bit earlier that you, were previously a Ty Montgomery truther, and he had yeah seven targets today. Uh, even though he didn't get uh, well a ton of rushing work, I mean only three carries, but still he's apparently the main pass catching back in that uh, backfield. In fact, he led the team in targets. So I guess <laughs> I'm wondering who would you rather have going forward between Montgomery and Edwards? Oh, I definitely rather have Edwards uh, over Montgomery. But if you asked me if I'd rather have Montgomery or any of the Baltimore wide receivers, I would probably rather have Montgomery. <laughs> and and I think that's solely a, a develop you know a developmental thing for Lamar Jackson at this point. You know he's a guy that I think played in the of the first round quarterbacks this year. He played in the system that was least like the NFL. I know everybody said Patrick Mahomes came out of a non NFL ready you know offense, but the air raid offense is basically what the NFL is now. Like it's not, you know, we saw, we all saw the Monday night game with the chiefs and the Rams. So that was, that's crazy pants. Um, but Lamar Jackson, you know, is still kind of developing at, at, you know, going through the reads that he has right now. And maybe the offense isn't as great a fit yet. So we're seeing a lot more of those short dump offs. And I think Ty Montgomery is going to be the one that benefits for the short term. Uh, one other question about the Ravens. I, think we don't know yet i guess if flacco is going to be back next week uh but john harbaugh apparently hinted he hasn't made a decision on who he would start and he may want to split time between jackson and flacco so uh do you think they should go back to flacco if he's healthy no not at all i mean this is the ravens are playing for the sixth seed in the afc right now and if they went out and make it with lamar jackson then great 
And if they lose a game and fall out of it, then they should be playing Lamar Jackson so they can see what they have for the future. I, I would not go back to Flacco at all. I mean, for if I was a, as a fantasy owner, as a fantasy player, I would love to see, you know, a little more love for the wide receivers, a little more focusing back in on John Brown deep. Um, but that said, I, I don't, you know, for the Ravens, I don't think it makes sense to go away from Lamar Jackson. James White carried the ball six times for 26 yards while snagging seven of nine targets for a team-leading 92 receiving yards Sunday in the Patriots' Week 13 win over the Vikings. I'm really glad that I've gotten to string a bunch of no-shits together because I feel positive and happy again. Um, (laughs) This is definitely a no-shit for me. This is vintage James White. This is not like... This is what he was with Deion Lewis still on the team, you know, where, where he was receiving back mainly and then still got a little bit of work on the ground and... And was still efficient on the ground. And I, I think if you, when you drafted James White at the beginning of this year, you expected lines like this. You did not expect what you got for a long time in the middle of this season. Um, and I think this is fine. Like, this is totally okay. And this is what you hope for is that James White is a solid RB2, you know, and, or, you know, if, if you have full PPR, this is a very good performance for you today. Like, I, you have, I have nothing to complain about as I, I have him in one of my dynasty leagues in my, actually in my 30 team single player copy dynasty league, he's my RB one. Um, and I'm very happy about that. I'm okay with this. Jeff Wilson rushed 15 times for 61 yards and hauled in eight of nine targets for 73 yards in the 49ers is week 13 loss to the Seahawks. I, is can I establish a, a lower or maybe not even lower, maybe there's a separate spectrum than, than this, it's not a shit no as much as a, a who is this? I literally had no idea who Jeff Wilson. I, I've been out at work all morning delivering packages. I had no idea who Jeff Wilson was until I looked at the show notes for tonight. Um, so, no, I think this is shit no. Because Jeff Wilson, it, you know, sure, they're running him out in in you know catch up mode and and wanting him to be a, a, a scat back type of receiving back but like they already have Matt Breida like Matt Breida is no no bad shakes at being a receiver himself so i i can't imagine that Jeff Wilson gets 24 opportunities again in lieu of Breida would you believe that Hassan actually wrote Jeff Wilson up before this game if he didn't tell me off air, I wouldn't have. No. If if you told me that you knew Jeff Wilson prior to knew who Jeff Wilson was prior to this game, I would have said, "Cool, that must be your roommate or something, or the guy down the hall." You know. We need the scoop, Hassan. What's what? What do we need to know about Jeff Wilson? Uh, he was a pra- like this is like the end of the ill-advised whatever the Alfred Morris thing was. Remember when everyone gravitated <laughs> towards him? Uh, I mean, Wilson, really, this is just sort of the last man scraping the barrel type of stuff. He was a practice squatter for a, wh- a squatter for a while, and he did nothing. Uh, he had a, you know, I'd say, an, honestly, a very mediocre preseason, which is why he sort of wound up on the pre-squad. And <clears throat> if it weren't for Raheem Mostert's injury and, like, you know, Jack McKinnon and just, like, sort of how snake that, that that franchise has been, uh, that's where... Jeff Wilson comes into play. I think they just got sick and tired of the fact that, like, uh, <sighs> Alfred Morris is not particularly um, uh, dynamic. 
and they realize that they're going to need a little bit of more dynamism in their, uh, you know, just an, an athletic player in their backfield. And that's who Jeff Wilson kind of is. He's, I mean, his combine statistics, pretty, uh, no great shakes. His college production record really kind of in- indicates that he's good at catching the football. Um, you know, he's got 29 receptions. He had 247 yards and a touchdown last year. He played for University of North Texas, I believe. Uh, he, you know, led the, the 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 team in rushing back in 2015, and you know, again in 2016, he led the the team in uh, rushing yards at 936 yards and 169 carries and with 14 scores. And that's where he also put up the 29 receptions. You know, so he's kind of a pretty all right change of pace back to Matt Breida. I mean, really, if you're truly, truly desperate at, at running back, and I mean, just you need one, <laughs> maybe something's going on with Matt Breida and we don't know, definitely be willing to put in a bid on Wilson here. Otherwise, uh, outside of that, I really cannot uh, tell you much uh, outside of that. I know that Blair's got my back on this one. I'm just salty that Kyle Jusick wasn't a bigger part of the passing game today. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm guy. still salty that uh, he's not still a Raven, so there you go. <laughs> I, w- I will say, too, before moving off of this, Matt Breida apparently aggravated an ankle injury, and that's why he had he was limited in the game. So, yeah, I mean, if if he's out or limited again next week, then, yeah, maybe Wilson's the dude because I don't, I don't trust Jusic to carry the whole load, and I don't trust Matt Days to carry the whole load either, so... Adam Thielen registered five grabs for 28 yards and a touchdown on 10 targets Sunday in the Vikings week 13 loss to the Patriots. Yeah, I, well, my wife is a huge Vikings fan, so I was watching this game today and, um, man, there was a, there were a couple of passes that just clanged off of Thielen's hands that were, that should have been catches that should have just been nice, easy catches that he usually gets. Um, this is, this to me is, uh, a shit no because I can't expect that the guy who tied if not set the 100 yards game streak uh, record I can't believe that this is going to happen every single week or you know that this is even going to happen next week the Patriots just have a really good cornerback group Uh, Stefan Gilmore is fantastic Um, oh my gosh now I'm of course I blank the McCourty brothers are absolutely fantastic in the secondary out there I, they just did well and moved quarterback Kirk Cousins off his spot a bunch. And Kirk is a rhythm thrower who needs to run through his progressions. And so I think this is more of a testament to the Patriots defense being really good than Adam Thielen being a meh. Robbie Anderson caught four of seven targets for 48 yards of the Jets' week 13 loss to the Titans. I don't know if that's good or bad, honestly. I this might be a, a no shit because Anderson has been up and down all year, and so maybe this is a sign that he's getting worked back into the offense. I would like that, honestly. I I've got him in a couple places, and I um, you know, I I hope for the kid that he gets his head on straight. Also, my wife is a Temple grad, so I root for Robbie Anderson pretty pretty hard too. Um, but yeah, I. I don't I don't know. This is maybe a no shit to me. I don't feel great about him in general, but I ho- I root for him. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, I that's about as definitive as I can get on a on a 4 for 7 for 48. <laughs> yeah, I think that's about right. Uh he's kind of 
been up and down this whole year. Uh, he's probably one of the bigger disappointments of the year for me. I was really high on him in, during draft season and owned him in a ton of best ball leagues and a lot of dynasty leagues. Uh, so, yeah, I'm hoping they are working him in a bit more. Um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, seven targets, I guess, is encouraging. Um, mm-hmm. He's usually a little bit below that, I think. But, uh, you know, I guess he's he's kind of got that game where you will have results like this, where sometimes he'll have 48 yards and sometimes he'll have 148 and two touchdowns. You kind of know what you're getting from, from Anderson when you draft him, so you've got to learn to live with these sorts of weeks. Jordy Nelson caught 10 of 11 targets for 97 yards in the Raiders' Week 13 win over the Chiefs. No, that's not right. <laughs> week 13 lost to the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jordy Nelson felt like it was a win after this one, I guess. Uh, this is this is a, a shit no. I can't put any stock in the Raiders' offense at all. Derek Carr is a mess. John Gruden hates him. Uh, Jordy Nelson is going to lose a foot race with father time eventually. And I mean, this is a great, you know, kudos to anybody that, that put Jordy Nelson into their DFS lineups today, but this was garbage time from the get go. And so, I I mean, not much else to say for, for me on this other than like, you know, good, good for Jordy for getting one more in there. Corey Davis caught three of seven targets for 42 yards and a touchdown in the Titans week 13 win over the jets. Uh, this is a no shit for me. Um, I like Corey Davis a lot and he's going to continue to get a really large portion of the Titans passing offense, but the Titans passing offense is not very large. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, seven targets is really big for considering the fact that they didn't pass a whole heck of a lot. I, I believe if I'm, if I'm remembering this right, maybe I'm not. Um, Mariota threw for 282 yards today, which does not tell me his attempts. 35 attempts. Sorry. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, 20% is solid. That's not maybe the biggest, uh, not, not as big as I thought it was, but, um, Davis is his number one target and he's going to continue to do some things. But I think the biggest thing is that the Titans offense has been kind of fraught this year and they're still figuring out what their identity is. They're transitioning from from the beauty of exotic smash mouth to, you know, maybe they'll be able to make something happen where Marcus Mariota takes a little more control and, and starts calling things. You know, they've been talking about that where he's finally starting to say no to play calls that he doesn't like or that he sees a bad situation, which is good. That's what you should be doing. Um, but there's still, I think this is still a growing offense. And I think for now, at least Davis is still a growing receiver. And so I, I just, I think this kind of some positives, some negatives is, is kind of what you get with Davis at the moment. Davis has been one of our favorite receivers to kind of debate, um, especially in terms of like his dynasty value. So I'm wondering where you might have him ranked going into next year or in your, uh, dynasty rankings. Yeah, um, he's a guy that I I think I'm a lot lower on than probably consensus. Um, I'm just pulling up the DLF wide receiver rankings right now, and Corey Davis is 15th in the DLF rankings um, at wide at wide receiver. Um, I think I would have him lower than that because I kind of value floor 
uh, a little bit more. I'm a little less of a guy that wants, uh, you know, the massive ceiling as much as I really value a guy who's going to consistently perform. Um, so, you know, like we were talking about Kenny Galladay, Galladay could have some big bust out games, but I think he's also, you know, got a much lower floor than a guy like Cooper Cup or a guy like Robert Woods or even Calvin Ridley, um, I think going forward has has a more interesting profile to me than than some of these guys. So he's still probably in my top 25 receivers, but I think that's significantly lower than what consensus would be right now. Rashad Penny rushed seven times for 65 yards or a touchdown in the Seahawks' Week 13 win over the 49ers. Man, I want to say I want to say this is shit no, but I think this is no shit. And I want to say it's shit no because I love Chris Carson's story and I love undrafted players doing well. And, you know, kudos to you, Jeff Wilson, and kudos to what Chris Carson has done so far. Um, but the Seahawks drafted Rashad Penny to be the guy. They drafted him in the first round for a reason. And I think, you know, as things go forward, they are going to continue giving him opportunities to prove that I, I've, I've had people compare him to CJ process to me and they've said, you know, like, Oh, well they didn't really give process a chance before they sort of relegated him to special teams, but they didn't spend a first round pick on process. They didn't say this is, this guy is going to be the, you know, one of the center points of our offense for the near future. Um, I, that that's a reason why I traded Chris Carson as soon as I could this this off season. I I swapped him in my dynasty league for I think a couple of mid round picks and I was totally happy with that. Sure, watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action in the games, guys. You've heard me talking about this for weeks. Some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little, win a lot, like playing the numbers in roulette, you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win. If you hit all three, you can turn $100 into $600. There's so much to bet on. College, basketball, football, NBA, NHL, custom player props, even esports. You name it. My bookie is the one bet I know you'll be happy with all year. I recommend these guys because I really trust them. My bookie has been in business for years. They've got great online reviews in the mobile site. It's easy to use. Sign up this week and my bookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you win. Also, make sure to follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter. The person you respond to every mention in DM, not to mention they're giving away more than $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season. Additionally, you'll be the first to know as soon as new odds or props are posted. Don't miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports this year. Log on to MyBookie right now. Use promo code Rotoviz, Rotoviz and get a 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code Rotoviz. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, moving on to news item number three. Unfortunately, Greg Olson suffered a season-ending injury in the Panthers' Week 13 loss to the Buccaneers. Joe, it's a sad end for Olson's season. Uh, but with him done for the season, how do you see the targets being distributed in this offense? Yeah, it's, it's bad. So the same injury that we mentioned um, A.J. Green had before, I, I believe, again, it was Gene Bramble that said it was the same injury or, or similar injury that Olsen suffered, kind of a tear of of a plate in your foot, and that doesn't sound good. I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but that does not sound good. Um, so... Already today, we saw Curtis Samuel getting a season high and I think a career high, eleven t- a career high, eleven targets, and um, 
I I would bet that that's where they go. Um, Samuel has been working a lot out of the slot, and without Olsen over the middle to be sapping up a lot of those, you know, across the middle targets, and and Samuel's got enough speed to work in the seam to the way Olsen, vintage Olsen used to. Um, I think that that's, you know, we could see Samuel's role boom quite a bit uh, as a result of this. Um, Ian Thomas, I don't think is going to be really a viable tight end already this year. We've seen him in action without Olsen on the field. Um, You know, I I say this, I don't think he's going to be a viable tight end, but there are so many guys right now that are kind of in the touchdown or bust sort of range as a tight end outside of like Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz. Maybe um, those guys are, are the only guys who you're like, yeah, I, I, I plug them in every week and it's a done deal. Even Gronkowski has been sort of off and on because of injuries. Um, but Thomas, especially uh, so I actually used a uh, shameless plug. Uh, the road of his game splits app to pull up and, uh, Ian Thomas's splits with and without Greg Olson with Olson out of the lineup, Thomas produces 201% of the fantasy points that he produces with Olson in the lineup. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's only five points per game. So it's the role's just not there. And that was even when Curtis Samuel wasn't healthy. I just don't see Thomas being really much of a a fantasy asset this year. I do like him a lot going forward in dynasty leagues. I've got him stashed in a couple of leagues and I really think his athletic profile is something that we could see blossom into really into Greg Olson 2.0 for the Panthers. But this year, I think you're not going to see that and maybe not even next year because that learning curve is so steep for tight ends coming out of college. Out of curiosity, how do you think this impacts uh, someone like a Curtis Samuel or a DJ Moore? Like, what about their target share? I think Samuel's target share is going to stay pretty high. Like, we already seen, we already saw that boom uh, a fair amount today, um, and I think you know the the way that they distribute targets um, has not been it hasn't been going Olson's way a fair amount already. But I, I do think that DJ Moore. Uh, will continue to be Cam's sort of deep deep threat um, field stretch guy that that he's been liking to use. And I think that Samuel is going to continue to be the check down option. And Samuel's a guy, too, who's versatile enough where he can be used a, as a receiver out of the backfield alongside uh, Christian McCaffrey. I think that Christian McCaffrey is probably going to be also, you know, plenty fed, even though he's already plenty fed which would be bonkers to see his ceiling go even higher. But, you know, the, those those two guys back there, I think, make for a really dangerous receiving duo where you can switch up a lot of these looks. You can have wheel routes out of the backfield. You could have... We've, we've seen teams playing with posts and verts from running backs out of the backfield this year in, in a lot of cool situations. I I think that would be one one area that I would particularly look is is Curtis Samuel to have a lot of impact. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, it was really encouraging to see Samuel uh, get some work today, and I mean, especially I think his versatility. Like you mentioned, he's obviously awesome catching passes out of the backfield like a running back would. He actually had an average depth of target today of fourteen point five. So, uh, right. 
kind of showing they're not even afraid to use him downfield uh, in kind of almost the field stretcher role. Um, one thing was inter- that was interesting is that Devin Funches only had three targets today. So is this also kind of uh, like a changing of the guard here where Funches is out of the offense and it's going to be the DJ Moore and Samuel and McCaffrey show? I think so, and I think we kind of saw that already last week too you know the dj moore has started taking over a, a bigger role in the offense at, at the expense of funches um you know again i we can't always look at the draft capital that a team spends on a player as their sole value but when you have a team that invests a first round pick especially in a player they are going to want to use that player as much as they can and start giving them you know, more chances to impact. And, and really it's the psychological thing of justify, like it's justifying their pick. Um, and I, I think that's kind of what we're seeing now with DJ Moore finally getting up to speed and them going, okay, now's the time to start giving him that big of a role. Um, Funches could, you know, in Funches's pre-draft process, though, they were talking about him as sort of a move tight end type of player. It, it is entirely possible that they spread Samuel out and use him as a, a field stretcher and could use Funches as, um, you know, sort of a move tight end in the slot. But I, I think they've seen enough success with the more Samuel combo that I don't think they're going to really mess with what works. At least I hope not. That's assuming rational coaching and maybe I shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> River broke Ron. They don't call him that for nothing. That's That's true. <laughs> That is true. It hasn't been enough riverboating lately, though. I miss I miss his fourth down attempts. Um, I would say losing to the to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is like chief riverboating. <laughs> <laughs> that might be flowing down rivers. Hey, hey, <laughs> the, the the riverboat was boarded by Buccaneers, and then it was taken <laughs> over. There you go. Kareem Hunt was released by the Chiefs prior to their Week 13 matchup against the Raiders. In his absence, uh, Spencer Ware worked as the clear lead running back, and Damian Williams worked as big backup. Joe, both Ware and Williams were ineffective as Hunt's replacements. Uh, what are your expectations for this offense going forward? Do you think they lean heavily on the short passing game? And who are some of the players most likely to benefit uh, from this uh, shift in player personnel? Yeah, I. So I think that's exactly the right way to look at it. Is there's it's going to be much more of a, a short passing game. Um, you know, and, and there was a short passing game when Kareem Hunt was on this team. It was just, you know, receptions going to Kareem Hunt short. Um, but with Ware not being nearly as prolific a, a pass catching running back as Hunt was, um, I, you know, we already saw 13 targets today go to Travis Kelsey, which hasn't happened in a while. Um, six targets did go to Tyreek Hill, uh, although he only caught one of them which is really surprising um i'm not i don't have uh things like average depth of target in front of you but i do know that pat mahomes is you know uh yards per attempt today were much lower than (laughs) recent games we have seen for mr mr pm um but i i think that's you know kind of the thing is they know that they're a good passing offense and i i you know one of the more efficient ways that you can replicate uh, a good running game, but 
you know, it, it's actually even more efficient by the numbers is through a short passing game. So I think we could see, you know, guys like Anthony Sherman being used a little bit more uh, splitting out. We could see, I mean, Demetrius Harris, my one of my loves. I'm actually from Milwaukee, Wisconsin originally, and Demetrius Harris is, uh, you know, originally from UW-Milwaukee. So shout out, shout out to the big DH. Um, Demetrius Harris had six targets today. And so, yeah, I, I think you will see a lot more of those those controlled short tosses, which are going to be kind of their pseudo run game. Yeah, that the short passing game kind of replacing the run game has always been uh, at least a part, I think, of what Andy Reid tries to do, which is, you know, sort of he was one of the first coaches to really embrace that, I think. Um, on the other hand, you know, I remember earlier in the season, Kareem Hunt wasn't getting the targets, and it looked like Mahomes just was always trying to push the ball downfield, and they sort of had to make a more concerted effort to engineer touches for Kareem Hunt in the passing game. And I kind of wonder if we're going to see the same thing for Spencer Ware or for any of the running backs. I mean, Ware had one target today. It looks like it was 14 yards downfield. So um, I kind of wonder whether the whether we might actually see the short passes that Hunt was getting kind of just evaporate and uh, Mahomes continues to be aggressive pushing the ball downfield. Um, I mean, like you mentioned, Demetrius Harris, six targets, and it looks like he caught most of those behind the line of scrimmage. So uh, <laughs> somebody is getting the short short targets. Uh, <laughs> Harris is getting them. But, you know, six targets for Harris is probably not something we can count on every week. Um, yeah, I, I think do think this solidifies that... Kelsey's floor, though, for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because sure. that those are those are the I mean, those are the other short targets. And he's another guy who can bust the seam. You know, you can bust downfield in the middle, but, you know, you you want your tight end to be a big, you know, receiving threat in the middle of the field and in the middle of the field short is one area that they can do that, too. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I guess I'm I'm thinking we might go back to what we saw in like weeks one and two where Kareem Hunt was basically used only as a runner. And I wonder if that's kind of Spencer Ware's role going forward, just because he's not as dynamic with the ball in his hands. They might not might not try as hard to get him the ball yeah i definitely don't think they're gonna force the ball in the passing game to where that that's just never been his mo and you know i don't honestly know a lot about damian williams but i kind of doubt that they're gonna force it to their third string running back as well you know uh i'm kind of optimistic that this is more of like a you know getting to be acquainted with the offense a little bit more and getting to be reacquainted with the NFL in a feature role for Spencer where I'm optimistic. I'm not saying that that's what's happening here. Um, so I hope that this is how it works out. I doubt it is. Uh, it does make some of those auxiliary guys like a Demarcus Robinson and uh, Chris Conley and just more viable, I guess. It's just like if there's more, if they're going to be attempting more short passes, uh, I still, th- I still think you kind of want a speculative uh, grab and from someone in this receiver court, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the thing is, you know, this seems like this is going to be really dumb sounding, but I promise it's it makes sense. But you need you need to throw a lot more short passes than you do long passes <laughs> to make up the same yardage, right? 
And so that's that's kind of the thing that we have, you know, with the run game is those 20, you know, or 15 to 20 carries a week that Kareem Hunt had means if there is going to be an increase in short passing, that's 15 to 20 more possible catches for somebody to get. So in your PPR leagues, like this is a huge, huge boost for, like you said, Hassan, even the even the tertiary guys like Conley, Harris, Robinson. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest, Joe Redderman. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at JRNFL. Please remember to rate and review the Road of His radio channel on iTunes and subscribe to our Patreon. For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Ready, set, save, California. It's sellathon time this Labor Day at your California Ford dealer. Get ready for the best offers of the summer on the 2019 Ford lineup, like an adventure ready Explorer or the all new built Ford Tough Ranger. Or get behind the wheel of the 2019 Ford F 150 with the power, toughness, and capability to carry any payload. You've waited all summer for these deals, and the wait is over. So, ready, set, save. The Labor Day sellathon is on now, but don't wait. These deals won't last. Hurry into your California Ford dealer before it all ends September 3rd. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz summer event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.